This recording of Cracking Certifications is brought to you by Ally Coffee. Ally Coffee connects specialty coffee and roasters in a more ethical and personal way, helping to bring transparency and trust to the coffee chain. So, um, welcome back. Are we falafeled out? <laughs> I didn't have any falafel. I shall have some later. Um, thank you for coming back. Thank you for not running away. This makes me happy. Um, we're joined by um, somebody new on stage, uh, Rubens Gardelli. Ruben, round of applause for Rubens. Tell us a little bit about your background and your involvement in coffee and just, just so we get a quick up to speed because we know these two, they're boring. Hello, yeah. My name is Rubens, I come from Italy and four time in a row Italy coffee roasting champion, two times Italy Brewers Cup champion, second in the world for World Brewers Cup champion in 2014. I started roasting in 2009 the name of the company is Gardelli Specialty Coffee. Uh, yeah, and coffee is my life. That's it. <laughs> Fantastic. One of our judges last night as well. So if he didn't win, it's all his fault. <laughs> well, judging Geisha coffees was good, <laughs> good, good things to do. It sounds like a tough, tough job. Um, we're also going to be joined um, up on stage by Stephen. So uh, do you want to come and join us, Stephen? Do we need to do an introduction for you? No. Maybe for the audio people at home. What would you like to know? And for me. Yeah. For you, hi. So, who are you and why are you here? Uh, I'm Steve. Uh, I w live and work here in Gothenburg and I run the Bristol League. Uh, so yeah, we do these events and I make coffee sometimes, I compete sometimes and do some training sometimes. Yeah. All sometimes though. All sometimes. Fantastic. All part-time, full-time. <laughs> So, and uh, we're joined by Marcus and Joanna again. And, and the focus of this certification is really about building a barista toolbox. Um, the first question that we've kind of got to cover here is, um, what's the most challenging question we get from customers about certified coffee? Um, Joanna, if I could start with you, kind of, in your experience, what's the difficult question when somebody comes in to drop and says, do you sell fair trade? Like, to be... To be fair, like fair trade in, in 2009 when we started, we had like plenty of people asking for fair trade. I don't know what's happened like the last uh, five or ten years, but like we absolutely do not anymore. Uh, maybe it's media, maybe it's uh, us being better to communicate what we are doing. So uh, fair trade, like we actually don't have many customers asking for at all. Um, we used to be kind of cocky on that questioning and answer like, no, we are doing, you know, beyond that or like working in, in another way. Um, so for some reason, like we don't have many asking about it. Still though, like that being said, organic, we have very many asking about. So, and then currently, besides some that are working with like organic like guidelines, the only thing we can say is actually like, yeah, to farms in uh, Ethiopia that are still not spraying. Stephen, as, as a trainer, you must get lots of questions when you're first visiting a customer about like your buying policy. Like, What difficult questions come up at that time? Uh, yeah, I was uh, 
<laughs> I guess regarding like the most challenging aspect, it's not so much the question, but the amount of time we have to answer it. So when when like you're in a bar, whether it's busy or not busy, you have this interaction that lasts between <laughs> 10 seconds and a few minutes. And when someone says, hey, uh, do you sell organic coffees? The, the answer is not just yes or no. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, but no. Uh, it's kind of organic because it's from Ethiopia, but it's not certified, but it is, but it's not. And it's a really difficult question to answer so quickly. So I guess like that's the most challenging aspect I think a lot of people deal with. Um, Marcus, I'm going to come to you with kind of the next question. Is like, I kind of think I know your answer to this, but I mean, do customers even care about certified coffee? Is it something that's really in their mindset? Not as much as we'd hope to, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we'd like customers to know more. I think that's so. We, all of us, I think, since we're so passionate about what we do, I think we sit pretty close to the paper, <laughs> right? And, and, and uh, do the usual mistake of thinking that the people that you meet know as much as you do or have the same thing. So, no, not, not uh, they're not as interested as I, as I would hope they would be. And not necessarily just in certifications, but in sustainability issues. I mean, that's the key, I think. Can I add something there? So can I stop you? <laughs> <laughs> so no, but like I can just see myself when I when I am at Ica, like our local supermarkets, and always like when I'm standing there, I'm choosing to actually buy what's organic compared to like certified organic compared to what's not. If I would have like something, yeah, you know, from a farm or a company I knew that were doing really good tomatoes, beyond that, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I I would buy that, but otherwise I always go for the organic. And I think that Damatio, for example, like talking to Penilla in the, in the break, like in, in general, like the person, like the main consumer would just like to like, okay, I don't want to know all the deep facts. I actually just want to know that this is okay if I buy. Like that easy choice. So yes, I do believe that people can care about certifications or other things that can give that credibility. Oh yeah, but, but not to the extent that perhaps that we would hope to. No. And, and I think one challenge is also even that you, you look for something, but you say you don't really know what you're, what you're getting, right? Ruben, so I want to come to you because I'm interested in the take on this in, in Italy. I mean, is, is fair trade, Rainforest Alliance, it's cafe, organic, are these all important things in the Italian market? Um, the last uh, organic, yes, so biological, that's the translation in Italian. Uh, yes, it has a market, especially in the supermarket. Uh, but mm, fair trade or um, on the coffee side, on the, so a cafe, uh, no. They care about the story of the farmer. They care about the variety and the quality. That's what they care. They want to listen to, to that. Mm, they don't care about, the, okay, it's fair trade or uh, reformist lines. No, they don't. Do you think, I mean, up until in recent times, it was illegal to sell an espresso for over a, a euro. You know, it was one of the things you, you had to have a euro espresso in Italy. Like, do you think that held back things like certifications as well, though? Uh, oh, you, you mean uh, having a certified coffee uh, allows you to sell it for a little bit more than one euro? Well, did they buy more coffee? Uh, you know, they have to pay more for that coffee, but they can only sell it for a certain price. Uh, uh, yes, that, that, yeah, that helps. There are uh, special market, uh, like you said, small stores. They sell uh, organic fair trades and the prices are higher. So the, there is a, a market, so people go to that specific place, not in a cafe, not in a coffee shop, but those specific places to buy 
those uh, kind of products that cost more. But do you think it's held back the development of uh, certifications in somewhere like Italy because of that price sensitivity? You know, it's a human right to have your espresso, you know, in the morning, and any kind of that that can have a big effect on how much people are willing to pay. Um, now it's not affecting the coffee then the coffee shop. So still, the pay, people wants to pay one one point one euro for one for one espresso. Uh, it's a real thing when I'm kind of saying that, like people will will boycott a shop if they charge more than the euro. It's it's a very difficult mindset to change. Um, we threw this out to um, some people on the internet. Was it through Barista Hustle? So uh, Barista Hustle with um, uh, Mr. Perger, and and we got a couple of replies back from uh, people that subscribe. One was from uh, Matt North who. You might have come across Matt in the past. He's owner of Full Court Press in uh, Bristol, a uh, coffee shop owner. And, and his thoughts on this were, in the UK, certifications are big. So much so, we have fair trade status for towns, although I have no idea how that works. So naturally, certified coffee is a big thing. Fair trade and organic are the biggest two, with rainforest just behind them. But it's a sector of the market that we're not in. Bulk commercial commodity markets where the prominent players of McDonald's and supermarkets see it as something special because it, the way that they deal with their customers. The knowledge of what matters to them is based around the desire to do good by buying coffee flavoured with a coffee certification. Um, uh, all well and good if that's what they want to do. So that was Matt's, Matt's take on it. I mean, if, if I come into um, Di Matteo, Stephen, and I kind of say, like, I, I want Rainforest Alliance coffee, like, how, how do you bridge that gap if you don't have that? I don't know if you do or not, so... Yeah, but this is, this is the whole reason we're doing this panel, right? Because when you come in and say that, we have to say, well, no, we don't have Rainforest Alliance, but we buy uh, this way, this is, uh, we pay this much for the coffee, we have this direct trade, we have this importer, we trust them and we know them, they do a good job and you have to trust us. Uh, so, A, it, it kind of takes a long time to have that conversation and B, it relies on a lot of trust in us as a brand selling it, uh, or as you as a roastery or, or Johanna. So it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. If you can give me some answers, I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, Joanna, you said about organic and how uh, that's something that still gets asked uh, in the shop. How do your baristas deal with that? How do you give them the tools to, to deal with that question? I said currently, now, they are referring to the Ethiopian coffee that still is uh, without any sprays that we know are without spray. Uh, one of these are being organic as well, but we choose not to uh, communicate it uh, in that case, but we know that we're having our, our back clean. We do have some uh, examples on people working like really tough with um, uh, organic guidelines, and then that, of course, is something you know that we talk about. Our baristas are like a big thing for, I think, in Team Drop has been to teach everyone about um, uh, Roya and Lee Frost and really like get a broader understanding about like, okay, what are we talking about here? Is it using spray or is it not using spray? And what situation are we in and why are we working with the farmers we are doing? Uh, I think that's simplified. They refer to Ethiopia when it comes to like, okay, but the nature is good, but they would need to ensure that the actual picker and the farmers are getting the money uh, they should, while in Central America they are having these struggles and like no one wants to use spray, but they are, but it's easier there 
maybe with the farms we are working with to make sure that the money goes where they are supposed to. So that's a little like simplification uh, we're doing. <laughs> Could I just ask a question to you and also to, mm. to you guys over there? It, would it be worthwhile or important to have just a product to just point to? So when someone comes in uh, and says, do you have organic or fair trade or whatever, instead of going through the long spiel, you just go, yep, here you go. Uh, and then, uh. or is it important to also have that discussion and kind of bore them with, oh yeah, but da 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 So uh, I don't know how you feel about that, you guys and, and business owners. Yeah. Like, uh, speaking for me, no, because then I think that I'm back talking the rest of the coffee that I'm having. So I would say like, okay, if you, if 100, all of this coffee is good, it's farm we choose to work with, with this, you know, and can bring up like, okay, ask me about any coffee and I will answer. So, but otherwise I can just say that all coffees are good, but if you want to know the short answer, yes, go for this one. Um, but I wouldn't like to say that here we have that certification, but not in other cases. I think that in my case is more unclean. So that says that what I'm doing is a little blurry or I don't stand for the model we're working otherwise. Marcus, we, we, we spoke earlier with Elizabeth saying about um, that not all farms can become fair trade certified, so there's not always that opportunity to point to that coffee on the shelf and say, oh, here's the fair trade one, if you don't work with producers that are, that are in the, the structure that can be part of that. Is there anything that would exclude somebody from being Rainforest Alliance um, with, with the certification process? Is anybody that couldn't be part of that? No, we are not from a farm organizational point of view. Of course, you have certain pro in the standards, like you're not allowed to have the strictest rules on, on what land you're growing on. You're not allowed to chop down forests or destroy ecosystems in order to expand your farms, for example. I mean, so, so those issues you have, of course. But we work with farming groups or individual farms. So, so, so say, for instance, I, I own a farm in Brazil uh, that uh, you know, typically is you know, not forest land where a lot of the coffee is planted. Yeah, it's in the Cerrado somewhere. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And you've just got this huge farm and I come to you and say, I want to be rainforest certified. Yeah. How would you deal with that question as, a, as an organisation? Would you certify them still even though there's not real impact on you know, a forestry area or it's not really kind of part of your core mission? Um, oh no! Yeah, well, it is. So sort of, we work in areas where you don't have forests as well. But sort of, you know, how that process would be like? I mean, the the uh, farmer would then contact the certifying body, uh, applying for an audit or for an, for a diagnostic, and, and uh, if you pass the the uh, uh, the criteria, then you're allowed to to uh, certify your farms. But, but an interesting note, I suppose, to say, so how do we work in, in areas where you don't have farms, where you can't work with agroforestry, for example? So in those areas in Brazil where you have, where it would be unnatural to place, start working with agroforestry since it's a, basically a savanna ecosystem, then farms need to have set-asides. So they will need to set aside a percentage of their farm area for not coffee cultivating, so you have biodiversity uh, in that way. That might be an interesting detail. Do you think it potentially adds confusion to the consumer, though, that thinks they're buying a rainforest product that is helping the eco-forest, and actually, it's not? Yeah, well, I suppose in the name you have the Rainforest Alliance, and now, sort of, we, as you say, we started 30 years ago with, with the mission to, to, to save forests, and now, sort of, we're working on, on saving bio, biodiversity as a whole, and uh, you can find certified tea farms in Turkey, for example. So we are working out of regions where you don't, where you don't have rainforests, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a pot potential for confusion there, but I mean, that's... 
Um, so the, the next question I want to go and go on to is like, what is something you're missing to properly communicate this this um, like it's a complex issue um, in in the, the retail environment? Like, what Rubens? I, I want to come to you. Is like, is there something that you like the direct trade stamp is something a lot of people have used to kind of to get that message across there simpler. Is there something else that could be developed that could help you get that message across that you know you, you're trying to work in a in a good way with farmers and, and not in a uh, a negative or damaging way? Uh, I'd like to give you as an answer my recent uh, experience I did. It's a project that lasted two years to develop in Uganda. Uh, two, three minutes just to tell you. So uh, two years ago I was contacted by this uh, guy on Facebook. They wanted to sell his coffee from his cooperative. He, he was working in this cooperative and say, You get those too. Yeah, I yeah. get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And say, okay, no, but I have a competition project. Can you uh, apply the protocol I'm giving to you? So picking fermentation, uh, uh, post-fermentation, uh, and uh, stuff like that, uh, to just a, a tiny lot, uh, 20, 30 kilograms for, for my Brewer's Cup competition. And he did it. Uh, so uh, from, from one farmer that was the higher elevation, the best farmers around. I say, okay, so I tasted, it was good. So, okay, nice, uh, uh, nice coffee from uh, Uganda, so the potential is great. But I noticed that when you, uh, uh, when you propose this small amount to farmers, uh, they don't treat you seriously. Like, all right, but you're not making my life changing for 20 kilograms or five bags. You are not changing their lives. So I understood by uh, now getting bigger so I can buy more coffee, basically, I understood the three basic needs from the farmers. They want to sell all their coffees, their products, the faster they can at the higher price they can. This is the three basic needs of all farmers around the world. So, okay, I said, uh, you found, uh, I, I tasted uh, the good potential. Uh, now, how many bags is producing total, in total? The total production is around 50 bags, so 3,000 uh, kilograms. I said, all right, next project, so next harvest, I want to buy the entire production. So I come to your place, to Uganda. Uh, also, the idea of Uganda, it's, uh, um, it was uh, exciting to me to demonstrate that it's not about the country name. It's about other factors to get very good quality coffee. So. I establish uh, uh, something like, okay, how much did you get money uh, from the previous harvest? Uh, okay, that, that amount. I come to you and I pay you plus 50% above that price, the entire production. But I'm not, come, I'm not an NGO, I'm not giving this money for free just for you. Uh, you, you need to give me back quality. That's the key factor. Because if you don't give me back quality, it's not going to be sustainable for the next harvest. Uh, so I went there. I, t I told them uh, what to do. So build the raised bed because they didn't have, uh, they didn't do that. Na all naturals. They never did naturals in their life. So I need to tell that. Um, all right. So we did it. Another need that they have is money. Is uh, so they they usually dry fast. So washed, uh, dry fast, and the local uh, uh, representative from the cooperative they go through the village. They pay the money. It's a cash crop. So basically, it's ready in uh, ten days. Ten days after picking, they are getting money right away based on the uh, kilograms of parchment. Uh, 
to pay money for fee for t the tuition for his children. So he said, okay, Rubens, we are going to do naturals and we will, the, the crop lasts for two months. Uh, we begin to pick uh, at the end of October and they finish to pick uh, at the beginning of uh, January. So I need to wait until the crop is done. So one month for drying, so it gets, but I need money. So uh, uh, he asked me, okay, can you give me 50% in advance? Because I need to pay, um, uh, um, uh, to pay the school for my children. I said, okay, out of trust, I give you those, that amount in, in advance. And still, and then, uh, uh, and then another, another problem, to export. Uh, just another minute. Uh, I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand it was so difficult. And Uganda has their specific legislation, so I need an exporting license for, to get the coffee out of Uganda. And we didn't, and we didn't have it. We, Alex didn't have it, Dizon didn't have it, I didn't have it. So the only way is to use an exporting license of someone else. So for documents and stuff like that. So from the village, I, had, I understood that I had to move all the bags to Kampala. Uh, because this is the way it, uh, it has to be, and say, no, I don't want to do that because uh, I, 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 will, I, will, I would risk to lose traceability of that. I don't know what is going to mix or something. So what's the solution? Buying uh, uh, and buying the exporting license. So I paid those money to Dizon because he's a resident I cannot do in, under my name. So I, I paid the money to create, to start the, 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 the procedures to get the license. And so from the village to the milling and directly to uh, Mombasa, because there is no sea in Uganda, to get the coffee out. So that's my solution for direct trade, basically. So we've just spent three, four minutes. And you know, you've gone, like, I think you've gone you know, really quick there. And you've kind of got lots of the detail. I've got lots of questions about it. How do you tell your customers about that when you've got 20 seconds, 30 seconds in front of them? Speak, uh, speak quicker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Italians can do that. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it, I can do it in 30 seconds. No. <laughs> oh, he tells us now. Yeah, no. <laughs> because I don't, I, I, don't I, I don't have to explain those details of picking and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I can skip all the uh, many parts. But uh, I know it's, I'm not changing uh, uh, the market, but if me as a small roaster can change the life of one single farmer for me, I fulfill my, my dream or my goal. And maybe as I get bigger and bigger, I can help another family, maybe one or two. That, that's I, I, like, I recognize myself so much in you, and like in particular, like come back to the question about, okay, but what do you, what do you answer? Uh, the people at the till, like how do you quickly do that? Like when we're doing certain projects, when it is like, okay, we have now fixed so they have solar panels and water, like that is good marketing, like it sells, it's like, okay, I can, you know, uh, that's something proper, like we, we're buying that coffee, that's lovely, or this project, that's lovely. But it's harder to answer like how, like the rest of the coffee, because we should have a fair trading model on all of them, like I agree with you, like it's, it's simple when you are so involved in doing something like beyond the normal trading model that is strong, so. Uh, yeah, again, coming back to that question of like, uh, what are we missing to communicate it? Could I ask like Sarah and Angel Mario and Elizabeth, like what, what would be kind of a, a guilt-free simple way to, to, to dodge the 
no, we don't certify without bashing certifications. So we have like customers that have a lot of trust in organic or fair trade. So when they come in and say, oh, do you have it? You don't want to say, no, they're terrible. You shouldn't buy them. You should buy us. But at the same time, we have to say, well, we don't have that. We have something else. So I don't know if you have any suggestions for like how you could dodge but it. I, th I think it's important that you, wh what we try to do in fair trade, we talk about what we, what's unique with fair trade and what we do. We don't talk badly about other certifications. So I think you, you should emphasize on the good work that you are doing. And you can just say simply, um, Fertig doesn't work for all types of farmers because they might we're buying from an individual family farm. And uh, Fertig is maybe for more organized farmers, for example. And, and focus on the good things that you do without saying anything bad about certifications because we're all doing it to make the world, the world better for, for coffee farmers. Yeah, I to add one thing would be just to, uh, sorry, uh, that, I mean, at, at the end, uh, certification is a third-party uh, guarantee or certification that things are done in a certain way. Uh, in, in, in your case, you are using your own reputation to back up uh, what you're saying. So, uh, so if you're saying that you are uh, buying um, organic but not certified, but it is certified, but you don't promote it to certified, uh, then, then is your own reputation there uh, that's uh, at stage. So, so, so that's, uh, that's the thing, that you can just explain what people, what, what you are doing uh, without having to, uh, to, to bash uh, certifications. And my question for uh, Rubens was like, was it then uh, the Uganda coffee, you could still do the espresso for one euro after all the work? Uh, was it financially worth it? Yeah, yeah, I can still. I mean, I mean my, my business is to sell coffee, not just, just uh, to do espresso myself, uh, uh, but I think uh, yes, I think they're uh, paying a plus fifty percent is still I can I can create one euro espresso, but th that yeah I think so. And and Sarah, would you like to add add to this? Yeah, well, I, um, I guess I can sort of consider myself a, a business owner, although I'm, I'm not a roaster, but uh, I don't think it's. Uh, uh, you don't speak from a, from a place of confidence when your model is focused on tearing down somebody else's brand. Um, and I think that that, that applies. Uh, you don't have a strong brand if you, gain, you know, if you gain only by putting somebody else down. So I, generally speaking, that's not a good strategy personally. Um, I think that uh, bottom line, consumers want the story. Uh, so it is about storytelling more than anything. And uh, uh, whether it's uh, facts or emotional story, uh, it's really up to the kind of consumers that you engage with. So it is about telling your story. Um, so, you know, uh, Ruben's example is, you know, it's a lengthy example, but it's, it's a good story. He um, could have done it in 30 seconds He as could well. have even done it in 30 <laughs> seconds. As long as I think you raise some emotions, uh, you know, buying is emotional. Uh, when you m purchase something, it's an emotional action. And so riding on the emotion, uh, I think it's probably better. Uh, but yeah, storytelling is hard. And, and I think that there is a lot that needs to be, ne we need to get better at it, for sure. Sorry, can I just add something? I mean, your consumer, you can say, you know, I will serve you wonderful coffee here, and it's coming from this farmer, or whatever you say. But please remember, when you go to the supermarket, you can look for fetid and organic. I mean, you can, they can do that in another setting. Oh, I want them to buy from yeah, the exactly. store. They have to buy from us. 
You wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, um, Marcus, I think you've got something you'd like to, yeah, uh, to bring well, to the debate. Basically echoing what, what you say as well, but when you, when you do that, so don't get stuck up in comparison different certification. T so you know about the coffee industry, right? It's just about 50% of the world's production that is under any voluntary standard. 50% is not certified or, or verified at all. With that, the coffee industry is still way ahead of the next commodity, that is cocoa, that's 30% of the world volume. So I mean, I mean, don't get stuck with what the other guys do. Learn what they do, and maybe you can gain, gain some credibility from explaining that as well, and saying, this is the route that we have chosen. And, I mean, and, and be confident that you're doing a good job, right? Yeah, maybe we are, but like, I still think it's so important to like, we are glorifying coffee in so many ways, and I think it still is like the reality is like not all of them are covering their cost of production even. Like that's most of the coffee being out there. What we are doing is not any miracles at all. It's just to trying to do it a little more fair, like a little, yeah. I think um, there's, there's one voice that's kind of missing from the debate that we have when we, we sit here in, in Sweden talking about certifications and we're talking about coffee and we don't have the voice of the producer that very much kind of comes across. So what we've done, we've actually got three people who are coffee producers to put together a little video that we're going to present to you on their thoughts of certifications. Um, the first one, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. He's one of my friends. Um, you'll understand why I'm saying sorry when you see him. Ali is probably my best friend in the world and one of the farmers uh, we buy from. Um, I, I was lucky enough to spend Christmas with him two years ago, uh, him and his family, and um, it scarred me for life. Uh, but here's Ali's video where he's talking about kind of the, how certifications impact him. Hi, here's a farmer's perspective on certifications. Now this is just my perspective, so take it for what it's worth. The reason that I'm going to explain to you my view on the topic is because for the past two to three years, we have been managing a large area of Finca Argentina, about 35 hectares, in an organic way. So a while back, Jen asked me if I was going to get certified, and I told her that that was never my intention, and thus she's asked me to uh, explain or give my views on the certifications uh, for you all. Now first, let me explain my approach to coffee selling. So my approach goes in the following order. First is quality, then is price, and then is certification. And with this, what I mean is that first, the first and most important thing in order to sell coffee is quality. Coffee buyers look for certain quality, and if the quality is met, the buyer then is willing to buy the coffee if he can agree on a price, which brings us to the second item, which is the price. So price is important to me since without a price that is appropriate, my business is just not sustainable in the long run. So that brings me to the third item, which is certifications. Now, some buyers do require for the farm to have a certain certification, be it a rainforest or a woods or what have you, in order for them to buy the coffee. Now, the reason I have not been certified is that I've been selling my coffee to buyers that do not demand a certification from me. Now, these buyers, they come to visit the farm every year and they see firsthand what we're doing and how we're doing it. So they feel comfortable that we're farming in a way that is congruent with the way that they roast and sell their coffee. So I've never been demanded to get certified. Now, other farmers that I've spoken to 
um, they get certified mainly because they want to get a higher price. And it, it seems that the approach is the other way around. It's first comes the certification, then comes the price, and then the quality. So would I ever get certified? It depends. Last year, a coffee buyer visited the farm, loved the project where we're, uh, or the area where we're doing all this organic farming, and he asked me um, why we were doing it that way if he was to get a certification. And I gave him the explanation that our, we believe in that approach to farming because in, in the long run, it improves the soil, it makes the quality of the coffee better, and it makes my business more sustainable. So I do organic management because I truly believe it's the right thing to do. Nonetheless, he brought up the issue about buying, buying the coffee and if I would get certified in order for him to do so. And basically my response was simple. Let's try the coffee first, let's see if the quality of the coffee is what you're looking for. Then let's see if we can agree on a price before I get certified. And if we do agree on the first two, I'd be more than happy to get certified. So some of you in the audience may be familiar with buying coffee, but for transparency purposes, I sell my coffee around $3 a pound. Uh, some lots I may sell for a little bit higher and others you know, maybe a little bit lower. But in general, I, I, I'm kind of fixed on about $3 a pound. Um, now, a certified coffee, let's say a rainforest, they get a market premium, which is usually about 20 cents per pound above the C price or the market price. Um, now, I'm not selling my coffee based on a reference to the C price, but on a relationship that I have with existing buyers that go usually more than three or four years back. So those buyers are not going to pay me more just because I have a rainforest stamp now on that coffee. The only way that I can get them to pay me more is if my quality goes up. So now, in my view, is that certifications, they can be taxing to producers. They require a lot of effort from our part. I mean, there's a lot of documentation involved that needs to be created and maintained. Time needs to be carved out to take inspectors around. Fees obviously need to be paid and so forth. I do not need someone to tell me that I'm doing a good job because I already know that I'm doing a good job. I mean, I don't use chemicals that uh, you know damage the health of my employees or the environment. We recycle as much as we can and we return it into our soil through our organic measures. I'm more than happy to discuss some other time. Uh, we invest significantly to prevent topsoil erosion and several other initiatives. So in summary, is that we farm conscientiously, right? So what I would like to say is that I like some of the guidelines that the certifications provide. And in fact, I've read the guidelines for rainforest and we've implemented them. Um, oh, the, the ones that make more sense to me, uh, but we are doing it without the pressure and the investment requirements from a certifier. Uh, we're also doing it in our own terms, and we do it just because I feel it's the right thing to do, and I have not felt the need to get certified yet. But I also know that it's likely that I will have to do so in the future since uh, you know, more and more buyers are demanding a certification. So that's my, my take, that's my story. Hope it's helpful to you all. Thanks. <laughs> Don't clap him. He'll encourage him. He was actually very well behaved. Um, if you knew him, you'd understand. Um, so 
Ali makes a really interesting point there, Mark, because I'm definitely coming straight to you on that one, is that your mission statement as Rainforest is to try and you know, improve the deforestation and make sure that farming is done properly. Yeah, without harming the environment and creating sustainable livelihoods. And I think, like from Ali and, and knowing Ali, that's exactly his thought too. Yep. That, like he wants to be responsible. He doesn't want to do things that will harm the environment, and he wants to farm in a in a responsible and long term way. Like, is there an argument that there's an opportunity for certifications like Rainforest Alliance to be able to have like? a light version. So you follow the principles and it's a bit cheaper, um, but you're doing, you, if you're already doing the work, wh where's the motivation for somebody like Ali to conform to your guidelines if there's, there's no financial in incentive for him? It would be interesting to see also the impact of his. I mean, he seems like a, I've never <laughs> never met him. He seems like a well-educated guy and knows what he's doing. He's a good farmer. Yeah, you obviously haven't met him. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, there you go. No, but for my first reaction when I listened to this, I said, "Oh, that's nice. Just that—that's just what we want." He read our standard. He agrees with it, protecting waterways, soil yeah, erosion control, all these things. That's just what we want, right? And uh, and uh, so, so that's a great thing. And he should choose to get certified, of course, if it makes financial sense for him to do that. It's a voluntary standard. Yeah. Yeah, but doing a certification light where you could use a seal and you have different, you have different seals for where you go, then I think the market would not like that. The governments would not like that. I and mean, we were having so much discussion about market proliferation already. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're experiencing it with direct trade. So what, what does that mean? Uh, and to hear from it, you, there's not even a definition of what it means. I think that's a huge <laughs> risk for you guys. And I would never want Dreamforce Lines to have sort of two seals, one for, uh, uh, so you're following the uh, part of the standards and, and, and for those who are following all of it now. But how about following the standards, but actually not marketing it as such? But you're no. giving because I'm, I'm guessing your auditors and your guys have got a wealth of knowledge of of things that can be done on a farm that a farmer could gain something from. But if they're not going to get the financial initiative for it from their from their buyers, why should they pay the full price? And the the brand of Rainforest Lines doesn't matter to them. But like you could go in and actually help and achieve your standard, your goal quicker by bringing in people that are lost at the moment. They're, they're lost think, to rainforest I think, I think, alliance. I, I think you lost your, you lost the question. Yeah. I'll repeat it again. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I lost oh, great. Sorry. <laughs> um, so if you have a a, a light version, but yeah. you're not allowed to use the seal. Yeah. But your guys go in and certify at a cheaper uh, price yeah, yeah, and yeah. certification. Uh, yeah, okay. You yeah. achieve your goal quicker. Yeah. yeah. Somebody like Ali gets to learn from the people who are specialists at these things yeah. and could make a better thing yeah, all around. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see where you come from. But, but actually, we, we are doing that already on, in different levels. So as I said, we have the certification. That's one point, part of what we're doing. But I mean, we have loads of other projects that strive towards our goals, that often uses and are based on the standard, but doesn't necescarily lead to, to certification. I, I mentioned the, the Nescafe plan that would be sort of the more, more very baseline level of, of uh, certification. But we also have a big uh, collaboration since many, many years back with, with Nespresso Coffee, for example, where they're using the DNA of the standard 
implementing it uh, into to increasing farm, uh, well, the farm use methods. And, and the certification does come into play, so it, it is open like that. Um, and our hope when it comes to securing livelihoods for farmers in general in coffee, I mean, it, as I said, it doesn't come for trade. We don't enter that, that realm. We want to help farmers make more money by having greater harvests of higher quality and also cost control and those issues. I mean, that, that's the way we operate. And it would be really interesting to see, his, to talk to him on that and see if he sees it. And, and, and I can put you in touch, you'll change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joanna, I kind of want to come to you and ask you what is, um, what's, what could Rainforest Alliance do to make it important to you? Because I think I, I kind of know you quite well and I know that you have, you don't want chemicals used, you want things to be not de deforested, you know, you, you want the, the environment to be looked after. So you're not part of that Rainforest Alliance now. What could, what could Marcus do to sell it to you? So it becomes important. So somebody like Ali can then spend the money to be certified because it's important. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm still not super convinced that, like, um, the certifications we have here today are, like, that we do need to cooperate. Like, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I think we can sit in rooms and share knowledge and, like, build things together. But uh, I'm not sure if a certification would help the structure that we are working with the producer in. But on the other hand, like, to have your, you know, your experience and, like, how to work, like, more organic, to find other kinds of spray for Royas, like, if you have access to these kind of things, like, all of this knowledge, GIS knowledge, that, you know, the more we can share, the better it is, so. Um, Rubens, would, would you kind of, would you see something like Rainforest having more importance in a more, like, I, I've heard Nest Cafe kind of brought up a, a few times, you know, as, as an example. Um, an example of something um, where we're actually striving, where where the coffee farmers are not reaching certification. So yeah. it's really the baseline, the most basic stuff. Yeah. And, and all, but also, it can make the biggest impact. Exactly. Um, because their, they are their the whole supply chain is something like 12% of the global coffee volume. So it's the, the volumes makes it really interesting from us mm -hmm. as an organizational For point sure. of view, even if they don't reach certification, right? So Rubens, do you think this becomes much more of a, a commercial coffee project with something like Rainforest Alliance than it does within specialty? Yeah, I was thinking the same way, like in the specialty market for the, for the best roaster, we don't really need the, the certifications for marketing our coffees because we are based on quality. So we buy on quality and project like direct trade because we like that way. But uh, we are 5%, uh, 10% on the total uh, market of coffee. You guys make the difference, not us. Uh, too. So that's, as you said, the commercial level they help that uh, that bigger chunk of the the cake. But I would also argue that you make a really have a big impact, as in since you have a direct relationship we are like with. I mean, as role models and talking about sustainability and yeah, the importance yeah. of that, we I are mean, like the doing a great job. Formula One, we are like yeah. the Formula One, and yeah. but you you build the, the regular cars for regular people. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was, I was like hoping that. you're going to say <laughs> Volvo, but there. <laughs> right, we 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 we're going to push on to our, our next uh, next farmer that um, spoke. Now we haven't had a chance to have this subtitled, so we're going to play the video and drop down the sound. But I'm going to do the talking. This is from um, a guy called Carlos Arena, 
Um, I'm going to have a word with you later, Pear, about Carlos. You back off. He's my boy. I've worked with Carlos since 2009, and Pear suddenly turned up with a video of him. I'm watching you. Um, but Carlos is a really interesting producer, uh, one of the, the most interesting I've ever come across. Very eclectic um, and has quite a unique take. So, um, yeah, let's start the video. So, my name is Carlos Arena, and we farm in Santa Maria de Tota in Costa Rica. We are located 1,700 meters above sea level. The farm is named La Pira de Dota. La Pira started in 2002 and was certified organic at the time, but we stopped the organic production in 2005. We started organic production to do something different and simply because of our own conviction. The soil has a lot of rock and it had a lot of, a very little organic matter. So we wanted to increase the organic matter and, and simultaneously work on organic coffee. Like I said, different to be able to start at the time. Micro mills and micro lots did not exist. Why did we stop with the organic? Well, first of all, in cold places, I do not recommend working with organic coffee because in general terms, plants tend to be much slower, much milder than others. Hence, there is less return to the soil, less return to the organic matter. That one aside, additionally, at altitude, we not only produce organic, but we also produce quality, and we got paid like any other organic in the country, and they will never really recognize quality. In 2006, some people appeared to be interested in buying micro lots, Japanese buyers. They were buying based on quality. Basically, I took that as my opportunity to overcome the tragedy of organic, to transition to sell quality instead. That was the situation. I do not try to, rem to remain nature friendly. I do not use chemicals or pest control. I try not to use biofertilizers. So basically, we work in a way that is still organic, but not certified. I keep the concept, I keep the lessons, and as I mentioned, my own conviction to work in a nature-friendly way. I spoke faster than he did. <coughs> Maybe I should slow down a bit. Oh, no, I missed some bits off the end. That's why. Oh, okay. I'll go back and say what he said, so I don't want to misquote him. I expect to still improve the soil. I also expect to change some varieties and change them into some that are truly adjust to this weather, that is dry and still filled with rocks. I hope to keep working and that in the future my family also keeps working on this so we continue the marriage with coffee buyers and coffee drinkers. Asked what he thinks about certifications. It depends on the certification. Organic certifications tend to be very demanding. Also, in economic terms, they are very expensive for us. <coughs> if, it's, if it's in the case of organic, it's more expensive. You need more labor, you have to pay so much more to others, and I really don't believe in certifications. Thank you. Didn't realize talking could be so hard. I'm normally quite good at it. Um, so Carlos brings up some interesting things about the, the extra demands on the resources of a farm. 
um, you know, extra workers, um, extra things within there. I feel really bad to pick on you, Marcus, because you're, you're the only one that really has the experience of these. I'm, I'm not going to talk about organic as well. <laughs> no, you're not going to talk about organic, but I'm going to talk about in, in Rainforest Alliance terms. Are there extra costs involved for, for labour to, to, to apply all of the standards? I mean, is it something that yields might drop? The farmer actually might get less coffee, so it really needs to be paid more. Um, you're putting me on thin eyes there, really. Um, no, I, I haven't heard that. Sort of that yield drops because working with rainforest lines, I, that I haven't heard since sort of the whole focus of what we do is knowledge transfer and trying to make fi people farm better. So if, if it dropped, that would be a f deep failure. I mean, certainly, certainly but but, but honestly, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen... So, sorry? It's certainly something that happens in organic. It's a yeah, yeah. But, but, but I, we don't, I, I think... But I, we don't have I'm that. asking the question. Yeah, no, that's the reason I'm asking the question. Yeah, yeah, because you, you, you probably have, have a better, yeah. Of, co uh, yeah. of course, there is a drop in, uh, in, in production when you transition from conventional to, uh, to organic. It doesn't have to be uh, as bad as it usually is, uh, but that has to do because people uh, or the farmers, they do, don't have the right technical assistance uh, to, because they, they tell them suddenly, okay, you are organic now, and they understand that organic is simply just don't add anything or don't do anything. God is going to take care of that. So it doesn't work like that. You have to uh, add inputs. You have to replace the inputs that uh, that you were um, uh, you were uh, adding before, uh, chemical inputs, and uh, and it takes some time for the uh, plant to adapt. Also, rooting the, the root system, the, the leaves, everything to adapt and transition. I mean, whoever has gone from a meat-based to a vegan diet uh, transition, then uh, you <laughs> know how that, that is. So uh, it takes time for your body to, uh, to adjust. In, in our case, it might be uh, 21, 30 days, but uh, the, the, the plant, it takes a uh, longer time. And then the impact in production, yeah, the, the, you, you, can, you can see it. But, it. but it can be mitigated if you, have, if you prepare the soil, if you prepare the plant for that transition. Yeah, hi, can I add something? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Can. No, and I think that in, in fair trade, uh, there is an organic uh, extra payment. So if you sell it as fair trade, you get the premium 20 cents, and then you get another uh, 30 cents per pound extra for, for organic. And that's only related to when you sell it as fair trade organic. Mm -hmm. And that is also actually to cover for costs and, and to give them a chance to. Uh, to survive while they're converting from uh, from conventional to organic. Yeah. And maybe just to clarify the Rainforest Alliance position on organic farming. Rainforest Alliance is not an organic standard, but you, but you know that. Although in the standard, uh, we always promote organic methods as a first step. So you need to do that, do the mechanical thing, the weeding, and then you have the ec econom economic pr portion of that. Is it financially possible for you to manage without pesticides. But if you use pesticides, then you have a big list of what you use. And of course, it's once again, it's a matter of education. You use as little as possible so you don't spend too much money, right? And don't harm the environment and, 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 and be educated in how you apply it. Protective clothing. So I'm looking at the time and knowing that we're running out of time because we already should be finished. But we've got one more video to show you, which is, uh, it comes from Marta Dalton. Uh, some of you may know Marta, she uh, not only uh, comes from a coffee farming background in Guatemala, but is also an importer uh, into, into Europe. So let's play Marta's video. Thank God I don't have to translate her. 
Hey Jen, it's Marta Dalton from Coffee Bird. I'm here in the beautiful Guatemala City. I'm sure I'm having better weather, weather than you are up in Gothenburg. Um, thanks for inviting me to contribute to the certification chat. Um, I've, I think it's really important to start off with what is the purpose of certifications? Um, because if the purpose is just to provide some mild differentiator in the marketplace for marketing purposes, I think the certifications as they are today in general, in general, like, um, are probably doing a job, its job. But if, if the purpose of certifications are to guarantee in a truthful, sustainable, um, and real, tangible, uh, transparent um, way, then I'm not sure that coffee certifications out there are up to scratch. Um, I think I've, I've seen it how certain impact funds around the world will only invest in companies that um, are certified or only trade certified coffees. and. I can understand that for investors it provides some kind of, you know, tick box. Um, but I'm not sure that certifications are really um, overall and as a whole are all, um, you know, achieving what they are. I think there's a lot of instances where farms will, for the audit, like clean up and be on Sunday's best behavior, get their get their certification and the next day it's all out in the window. Um, and I think the real, the real, I guess my, what I would like to see is that certification provide a real standard of how coffee, of you know, basic farming practices, but also on payment side. Because my understanding um, is that most certifications will pay a premium over the C price. But sadly, I think that that in itself, that, that trade um, model, trading model, while very traditional and it's extremely common, I don't think that is sustainable. And so, you know, does, do certifications provide an illusion to the consumer that things are working well? I mean, to me, what I'd like to see is, I'd like to see farmers getting paid for for their work and you know to cover cost of productions cover their living expenses and you know cover a rainy day um rain, rainy day fund and i don't think the industry as an industry we don't have the luxury of time on our hands we've seen um all of the climate change talk especially this year here in guatemala we had a terrible drought and there is not a farmer out there that's not talking about climate change um so with you know climate change kind of turning up um turning up the the time um or you know working against time i think we need to provide farmers with a way of covering their real cost of production so back to the certifications um when i first got into coffee, I really only knew about fair trade and maybe I'd heard of Rainforest Alliance. And my understanding was everything fair trade was good. Anything out there that wasn't fair trade was bad. And 
I had a little bit of a panic when I realized that our family farm didn't have a certification and I knew we did good things for good people for you know we had good people so I was when I learned more about the fair trade certification, I realized actually single estate farms don't qualify for a fair trade. So this notion I have that one thing is good and the other is bad is actually obsolete and not accurate. So I think um, I, I think for a while I actually had been more anti-certification. Um, you know, I haven't. Um, audited all the co-ops and all the certifications for me to have like a, a you know, a, a, a real proof one way or the other, but it just always seemed quite challenging um, to see if, you know, is the extra premium actually going to the producer, yes or no. And this year, in 2017, I had a bit of a change of heart. I've seen um, firsthand the real value of the organic certification of how it helped a farmer start growing coffee and helped um, you know provide a framework of farming practices to resist against leaf rust and all other plagues and to witness beautiful soil really rich beautiful soil beautiful plants and a beautiful farm and um, you know, that's with really healthy plants. And, um, you know, I think it's, you know, are certifications good or bad? I think it all depends on the individual situation. I think from like a high level perspective, I think they need to be a little bit more progressive. I think they, um, they need to get with the times. It's 2017, we've got climate change, like racing against us and we're in a situation where the norm is not for farmers to get their cost of productions covered. We're in an environment where we're relying, we're trading on a standard that has nothing to do with specialty coffee. Not in Guatemala, not in Central America. The seed price um, doesn't, you know, it's a, the commodity market should be used as a hedging tool for farmers. We as an industry need to figure out how we work together and educate consumers to pay more for a cup of coffee, more for a bag of roasted coffee. So coffee shops, coffee bars, coffee roasters, and every single person involved in the supply chain pays more and makes sure that that premium actually goes to the producer so we can create, reinvent the way that coffee's traded so producers are, producers' costs are being covered. And if they can thrive, then I'm pretty sure that we're gonna figure out a way of keeping coffee around for a long time. Thanks. Wow, so many things in there that um, uh, kind of, yeah, there were lots and lots of questions. I'm going to get right to the end and actually hand it over to you guys to ask our panel and our previous panelists any questions that you might like to throw at them. Um, and the microphone is going to be coming to you there. So. Is this thing on? Yes, it is. <laughs> I just love doing that. 
So you, uh, in, in, uh, as mentioned, you over there and me over here. Uh, my name is Ichi. Nice to meet you all. Um, great panel and also the ones who were uh, in the panel before. Um, um, I used to work for the UN for approximately uh, 10, 11 years. So, um, and sort of there was a bragging thing going on in a way uh, previously. That's not, not my point. And my point is to say that uh, working for the United Nations Environment Program, you get to see all of this in respect to climate change, biodiversity, habitats change, and so on and so on. Uh, however, I'm very uh, thankful for being able to have worked in such, a, uh, in such an organization because it really shows you what is going on out there. And uh, certainly the farmers are really telling you wh what is going on. Um, there's a lot of questions to be, to, to be, uh, to, to, to be um, set forth, um, but I have one main one, and that is something that we often, um, as roasters, um, forgot to mention, this is how I came in contact with coffee through, through my previous uh, assignments. And it stands so clear here and right now that there are two worlds, namely, there's sort of certifications world and our world in respect to direct trade, which, which in fact is not direct when you think about it. If something is meant to be direct, you should see that directly on the producer's bank account. So I would like to hear your take on it from both worlds, so to speak, how this can be achieved. Obviously, we, it's simply to say that we could be biased. We are doing our thing. We have our protocol to follow how we do this. Most importantly is that we are always facing the problem in respect to certificate questions that we get from customers that we always have to justify why we don't carry the certificate. Uh, so, and my simple, simple answer to them is, if you walk into a, um, uh, a hair salon, would you be happy to get a fair haircut or a decent haircut or a good haircut? or a genuine haircut. So by having certificates, from my point of view, is that, and that world imposes our world uh, to get certified as well. So in one way, you are, we are working against each other. So the main question is, how do we work together? Can we work together? Because we have to work together. Because obviously we don't want to throw bad words on either camps here. So who would like to answer that one first? How can we work closer together? Johnny, you seem to be getting your microphone. Yeah, no, but I would really like to, to say that. Like it's no black or white answer coming out today. Like it's the start of a, of a discussion and it's like so important that we come back to this again and again and again. Um, and what I do see, like looking at the videos from the producers and what I think is so, like what I think, of, you know, my main message today is that I don't think that any individual is strong enough, like individually, like we do have climate changes, but we also have the 
unfair conditions and human rights and, and all of this. And I think that, I mean, you should push us because we can do more and we should push you because you can do more. It's just that like we're quite easily sitting back and talking about what we're doing and kind of that that is good enough. But like it's crazy what's going on at the moment and there is so much that we can do. So again, I think that the main thing is like, okay, climate changes, seriously coffee, what do we do? Like, and just call for these kind of, of meetings and see how we can work individually. Like, how do I work? But also say like, what can we do on a bigger scale, like in uh, uh, cooperatives in Africa, like where the impact is even bigger, maybe. Sarah, I want, I want to ask you, that kind of going to take your question, if you like, and just mould it around a little bit. Should we work together? I mean, because you've had, you've had a foot in all of the camps at some point. Um, should we work together as, in it, like, as different industries? Or actually, should we just kind of let, you know, you talked about the Nest Cafe kind of project, and I don't want to kind of, but like that's, that's going to make a massive impact, a huge impact on a big market. Does it have such an impact on a producer in El Salvador or whatever to, to change? To, to be honest, I really don't. I really struggle to see why there is a, a, a us a direct trade or us certification and us uh, on the other side. It, it really isn't. And also, I think it's a bit of a. Uh, it's it's an argument that happens on this side of the world, uh, but producers are way too busy figuring out how they're going to survive, and they let us have these. Lengthy conversations like who is better, um, and really, I, I liked the video. Of, where, where is your friend Ali from? El Salvador. El Salvador. Uh, so El Salvador is is a great example because it's a it's a it's a hugely mixed country. You have really great farms with super avant-garde uh, farmers, and you see most coffee shops. They, there's always an El Salvador. Some finca in El Salvador always makes it to the third wave, fourth wave coffee shops. But then on the other side, El Salvador is a country that is struggling so much. It's almost disappearing in terms of production. Uh, you know. Ten years ago, I was working with five, seven cooperatives out of El Salvador. After Roya, they just simply disappeared. They're no longer there. And uh, who is buying El Salvador coffee apart from that 5%, 10% that makes it to the 85 plus? And it's the Ecom, and it's the Volca phase. And these people have coyotes with their bikes going in the villages, buying below cost of production, below the sea. And those farmers are the ones that if anything, they, they, they are, they are unfortunately, they might not be as educated or as, as avant-garde. Not everybody's made for quality. Not everybody is going to have that in their DNA. Um, and so what's going to happen with those farmers? And uh, how is that trading model going to play out? And if we, it's great that Ali made it out of that place of, 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 of weakness and be able to build his own business model and say, I don't... I can sell my coffee at three bucks. Most farmers will sell their coffee below a dollar uh, to a coyote. So what are we gonna do about those guys? And that coffee is never gonna be the coffee that we would appreciate in our cup. Um, and that's not the direct trade to fix. That's not your problem. Uh, but, but that does not mean that there should be other systems in place that will fix that problem. Um, so I really don't see the us against them. I don't think direct trade can fix everybody's issue because direct trade is about quality. I agree with you. 
um, but the certifications tend to do something else. Yeah. I, th I think yeah. a lot of the, the us and them, though, comes from the very early days of direct trade, where there was a, there was a very deep mistrust of the certifying bodies of direct trade. And, and there are still people doing direct trade really badly. Like, it is not a wonderful word that everybody's going in with little angel halos and throwing their money around as they walk in front of their feet. It's a much more complex uh, problem than that. But there was a, there was a very, very big mistrust um, from the certifying bodies of what the specialty coffee got. And that's why there is the, there's been the angst in the past. I, I'm so uh, happy that we're actually sitting in the same room chatting. But it was the same thing you were saying about, you know, Rainforest and Fairtrade did, could, wouldn't be in the same room either back then. And actually, we're all trying to do the same goals. We're trying to get to the same um, yeah, position. And I think what we, we <laughs> couldn't we agree that all of us working with, with more sustainable coffee couldn't we try just to educate the consumer and saying that coffee is too cheap? You know, that generally, uh, they're probably buy, paying quite a lot for, for your coffee in your speciality shops, but that, that, w that could be a common goal, that to educate the, the climate change, you know, farmers can't survive, you know, that the, when you buy, in Sweden we have the coffee model where you can buy three packages of coffee for, what, six, six seven euros, you know, it's crazy. Uh, people don't, consumers think that that's the normal price for coffee. So I think we can all agree that we can educate the consumers. That's, that's yeah. my take. I think, I think that's, and it's just one thing, picking them up, I, say, I don't see anything saying that we can't work in parallel, because we're do, doing a good job. But just picking up a little bit what she said on, on standards and, and saying something of the good things that standards are. I mean, I see it as, a, it is a tool for change, right? And regardless, it's higher price premiums or not, it's a way that defines how you can have good environmental practices, good social practices, what have you. And, and for example, now, as I said, we, we're releasing a new standard in, in July. It has climate smart agriculture, left, right, and center of it. It's a real thing. If you take that away, we're phasing out neonicotinoids, uh, which is the, the pesticide family that is really harmful to bee societies, for example. And, and we have all these things. And, and that will affect something like 1.4 million farmers. So, so we can, th that's what we're bringing to the table. So we, we can do changes on scale in practices. And then for sure we must be able to trade it. Yeah, yeah. Don't see, don't see any, any problems in that. I think we can all agree that the status quo isn't isn't an option. Something has to change. We do have to pay more for coffee, uh, be that commodity coffee, be that specialty coffee, um, be that a, a mixture of the two. And I think it's been an incredibly interesting conversation. Uh, I'd really love you to put your hands together for our panel, please. They've been amazing. Some other thank yous. Uh, thank you to Stephen for putting this event on. Uh, it's amazing. I don't know how he finds time to do it. Uh, thank you to Jen, who has put this program together, who has done so much work on preparing this. <laughs> All of the Barista League um, uh, volunteers as well, thank you very much for, for you. Uh, Ali Coffee, thank you very much for putting this on. Um, really fantastic uh, yesterday and today. And thank you to you guys for coming. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a moche. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Cracking Certifications, brought to you by Ally Coffee.
I Like Coffee connects specialty coffee and roasters in a more ethical and personal way, helping to bring transparency and trust to the coffee chain through the pursuit of quality, sustainable partnerships, and promotion of integration and knowledge. For more information, please visit www.allycoffee.com. That's A-L-L-Y coffee.com.